And I'm so thankful that we get this time together to worship our wonderful Lord and Savior. Well, good morning. I'm Steve Grissom. Most of you know that. I'm the associate pastor here at South Shore Baptist Church, and it is a great day for us to worship together. I do want to give one quick family update. Uh, for those of you who have been following along, our son, Stephen Herschel, made it to Anchorage, Alaska to begin his new position. He drove uh, around 4,800 miles. I think the furthest he drove before this trip was to Marshfield. So uh, uh, it's just quite remarkable that he made it there. Sheena and I are just thrilled uh, to see what the Lord is going to do in his life. That's all I'm going to say about him because I know I'll get choked up. So we're going to look at Psalm 34 today um, as we seek the Lord together. You can go ahead and turn there. So thankful for this opportunity to preach from God's Word So thankful for the church body. I'm excited for this summer together and to see how much trouble I can get into while Cody's away on sabbatical. I put Vaseline on his door handle. I put super glue on his telephone, and that's just the start. (laughs) Okay, maybe not. That would be fun, though. There's some kids right now saying, ooh, I could do this to Dad today. Well, I am hoping and praying for a relaxed summer, but also a focused summer as we study the book of Colossians together. Uh, You may not have heard, but we're going to study Colossians together this summer. So thankful for the opportunity to go through Colossians uh, next week. Our very own Vincent Lefieri is going to kick off Colossians. I think we're going to tackle the first 14 verses if you want to read ahead for next week. But for today... We're going to look at Psalm 34. If you're following along in the Pew Bible, uh, it's on page 488, Psalm 34. And my aim this morning is to give you courage knowing that the Lord is good and that he hears us when we call out to him. So Psalm 34, the Lord delivers the righteous. Hear the word of our King. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. You who are his holy ones, fear the Lord. For those who fear him lack nothing. Young lions lack food and go hungry, but those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Come, children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is someone who desires life, loving a long life to enjoy what is good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. Turn away from evil and do what is good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry for help. The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil, to remove all memory of them from the earth. 
The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. One who is righteous has many adversaries, but the Lord rescues him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil brings death to the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. The Lord redeems the life of his servants, and all who take refuge in him will not be punished. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you will remind us that you are good. Lord, we pray that you will remind us that there is refuge found in knowing you and in trusting you and in walking with you. Lord, we need courage. We needed courage through Micah. We need courage today. We'll need courage as we go through Colossians because we are attacked on all sides. We think things that are not true. We are affected by the evil one's schemes. So Lord, remind us what is true and what is right, what is honorable, what is pure, what is holy, what is trustworthy. Lord, fix these things into our minds, we pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you for Psalm 34. We thank you that David was a real person, a real king, a real servant, and that he truly was afraid. He truly was out of his mind at one point, but yet you rescued this man. Just as you rescue us, you rescue men and women today, not only from our fears, but from our guilt and from our shame, there is salvation found in you. So Lord, we trust in you and we turn to you even now at this hour. Lord, would you make us more like Christ as your people? It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, Psalm 34, David says, I sought the Lord. And what is the response? He answered me. The Lord responds. He hears our cries for help. But before we get into these verses, there is an important annotation or description just underneath the chapter number and before verse 1. It's very small font, very tiny. You might just look past it and go right to verse 1. But this is the backstory, if you will. You know, not every psalm has one of these backstories. But here we see why David wrote this psalm. Whenever I'm looking at a piece of art or reading a story, I'd love to know why the artists wrote what they wrote. Why are they inspired? And so we hear David's inspiration and if you're like me, you're kind of caught off guard. Wasn't expecting that. Wasn't thinking that inspired this. But we read that David pretended to be insane. Now, your, your, your translation might say his behavior changed a bit. But another, in reality, he pretended to be insane before King Ashish, who drove him out and David departed or escaped. And I won't go into all the backstory there, but you can read 1 Samuel 21 if you want to read that full account later. But David was afraid. He knew the king's wrath, and he knew that he needed divine deliverance. So that's why David wrote Psalm 34. And also, it's, I think it's interesting that this is an acrostic psalm. What does that mean? What does it mean for it to be an acrostic psalm? Each verse begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so in the English alphabet, there's 26 letters, and in the Hebrew alphabet, there's 22 letters. Well, how many verses are in the psalm? 22. 
So each verse, there's a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the reason for this is for the original audience and even for us today to be able to memorize the psalm, to be able to hide it in our hearts so as to, for, to return to, this, to these beautiful truths. So with that in mind, what drives David to write this psalm? He sees the Lord's hand of deliverance, and he wants to encourage the faith community. He wants to remind them that the Lord is good, that the Lord is where we find protection, where we find refuge, where our deliverance comes from. And so he points the people of God to who God is. Does that sound like anything to you? Micah, we just read Micah, who is like the Lord our God. And so we're going to continually pick up on that theme a bit in Psalm 34 as we see the Lord our God is good. This is applicable for applicable for us today as we trust God and as we call upon him. Well, the first point as we look at Psalm 34, I want us to see the first seven verses. These are points that you know and probably could have wrote yourself, but we need to be reminded that the Lord answers us when we call. First seven verses, the Lord answers us when we call. And the psalm begins with personal praise. David is saying, let's bless the Lord, let's praise the Lord because of what he's done for us. Uh, Karen in the office this past week was singing praise to the Lord. She had YouTube on, on full blast and I loved it. I came back and the music was gone. I said, what happened? She said, someone called. But uh, that, that's what we need to be doing is praising the Lord and singing of what he has done. And we see, when will we bless the Lord? At all times, in every season, and in all sorts of conditions. It's easy to bless the Lord when everything is going right. But it's hard to bless the Lord when we are going through challenging seasons. We have pain that is real. We have problems that are real. But remember, God is near. God is near. And so, what is on the lips of David? What should be on our lips? Praise for God. Our lips are to be used for exalting God, not for promoting evil. We'll see this later in the psalm. We're not to be promoting and furthering the agenda of the evil one, but we promote the righteous one, what he has done. We rejoice at what he has done in our lives. And so David boasts, and his reason for rejoicing in the Lord is, this is my faithful God. This is what he has done in my life. And then if we look at verses 2 and 3, the people of God respond. God's people joyfully celebrate together. I've said it before that sometimes we don't, we don't celebrate enough. We need to rejoice more. We need to talk about what the Lord has done. When someone says, this is what God has done for me this week, we don't judge them, we join them. It's tempting to be envious of that or think, why isn't that happening to me? We join the celebration. We rejoice that God is at work. So the purpose of the praise here in Psalm 34 is not for us to have warm fuzzies on a Sunday morning, but for us to acknowledge as a community of how great our God is. We come together and say, this is what the Lord has done. He has rescued me. In verses four through seven, David describes in more detail his own experience in seeking the Lord and in seeing the Lord deliver him time and time again. I love how real and relevant the Psalms are as the authors describe their pain. 
It's been said before that the Psalms are like tranquilizers for our soul. You see these high highs, you see these low lows, and you see David, a man after God's own heart, going through it all. And so I saw one of these memes this past week. It's like, how's everything going? You know, my life is right on track. And you see the track, and it's like missing uh, parts of the track, and it's up and down, and like, that's the track my life is on. And so we can feel overwhelmed. We can feel like uh, thing is, things are going crazy. But David says, I sought the Lord, and I love how personal he gets. He says, he answered me. He rescued me from all my fears. David describes not only his own experience in being delivered, but also of others who look to the Lord. This, this section is significant as David points us to God's faithfulness. So look with me at verse 4 as he says, he rescued me from all of my fears. How, how does this apply to us today? God is still faithful and God still hears as we call out to him. God is still faithful and God still hears as we call out to him. Now, of course, you may say, well, what about when I haven't been rescued from all of my fears? And when my fears surround me on every side and they don't seem to be going away, Pastor Steve, my fears are paralyzing and when I call upon the Lord, I seem to get heaven's voicemail without fail. What about that? Well, fear cannot be simply prayed away and tossed aside as, as if it's something only younger Christians struggle with. We all struggle with fear on one point or another. The fears the author speaks of here mostly focuses on dread and terror, but it can also point to the pervasive, nagging thoughts that just run through our minds and paralyze our souls. It's like that record player that just is stuck. Now, many of you may not know record player is, but anyway, you know, the, the pervasive, nagging thoughts that paralyze our souls. So what is my word for you when rescue and relief from your fears has not been your experience? What if your experience is, I don't have the rescue? That relief is, is far and few between. Well, my word of wisdom is to be patient, to wait upon the Lord, to surround yourself with believers. This is why we're part of a faith community, to surround yourself with believers who will walk with you. And remember that fear will not get the last word. Sometimes we need a new outlook as we look inward. When I, what I need at times is to shift my focus. God is so much bigger than me and anything that could make me anxious. But sometimes we can't force the shift in the moment even through prayer. I love what Ed Welch says about fear and seeing a bigger view of God. Ed Welch describes it this way. He said, I needed to have a walk among the giant redwoods. If you've ever walked among giant redwoods, you'll never be overwhelmed by the size of a dogwood tree. Or if you've ever been through a hurricane, a spring rain is nothing to fear. If you've ever been in the presence of the Almighty God, everything that once controlled you suddenly has less power. So, so true. While fear, terror, and worry can cripple us at times, let us continually look to the Lord who is greater than our fear and who is good. And that's what David does. 
as he says, the Lord answered me when I called. Now he takes us to, again, God's character. Verses 8 through 14, he says, I want to remind you, in case you forgot, the Lord that we serve is good. Our God is great, and his character is good. I really love verse 8 in this psalm. It's the pinnacle of the mountain for the weary traveler. It's the water in the desert. It is balm for our broken souls. What is verse 8 saying? Taste and see that the Lord is good. This is one of those verses where you could just break it up a word at a time. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We could go through this whole verse for an hour. Who's with me? Want to do that? No. <laughs> next time. Next time. But it's a beautiful verse, and it may sound a bit bizarre as you combine our human senses with the holy God. But what is, what is David saying here? He is pointing to the fact that when our gaze and our appetite is on the Lord, we are satisfied. We are content when we are looking upon the Lord. You know how easy it is for us to become discontent, for us to become frustrated. I mean, I can start my day, it's so great. I, um, things are going well. I've got that perfect cup of coffee. I've read my Bible. And then by 10.30, the day's shot. And in my mind, not really, but in my mind. And so we are reminded that when our gaze and our appetite is on the Lord, we find satisfaction. We are content. David saw the Lord's goodness when he was delivered from the king in 1 Samuel. We know the Lord is good in so many ways. Now again, you may be, you may be thinking, it is hard to see the Lord's goodness because of the trials that I'm currently going through, because of the tribulation that I'm currently going through. Pastor Steve, you don't know how difficult my day or my week or my month or even 2023 has been. Your spiritual taste buds may be burnt, so it's hard to say I taste and see the Lord's goodness. So I don't pretend to know all that you are going through, but I do want you to know that you're not alone even when you feel alone. Call out to the God who cares. David knew the Lord. He knew the Lord was faithful, yet he knew he needed deliverance. He called out to the Lord. You may say, I get it. I know that's the Christian thing to do. I've been doing that. Well, keep praying, keep asking, keep trusting, and know that the Lord will fulfill his promises in you. Darkness may be your companion today, but light will eventually come. The dark clouds will fade as God's promises are fulfilled in you. The Lord is good in the way he provides. Let me just list several reasons. The Lord is good in the ways friends pop into our lives at the right time. Even this past week, got a text at just the right time. It was like, this friend knows what I'm going through. The Lord is good in giving you the counsel you need when you are at your wit's end. The Lord is good in caring for your family when the bills are just piling up and it looks like the ship is about to sink. The Lord is good when you are overwhelmed, frustrated, and discouraged with the trials of life, and his word reminds you that he is with you. The Lord is good. If Christ is on our side, he is the right man on our side. He is Emmanuel, God with us. 
So the Lord is good. And did you know the Lord's goodness is seen in revealing sin in our life? I thought about that this past week. We are good at seeing sin in the life of others, but God is good to show us even our own sin, not so that we might be overwhelmed by it, but so that we might be overwhelmed by the grace of God, so that we might not be seduced by sin any longer. All of these things point to the goodness of God. You could describe the goodness of God. If we had comments for the good of the church right now, we all could stand and say, the Lord is good. One of our newest members here wrote about SSBC online. She said, I'm so thankful for my church, for fellowship, for rest, for good cooking, and for friends. She then said, my heart is full and ready for tomorrow. God is good. So we could go on and on, but let us continue to meditate on verse 8. Continue to meditate on verse 8 this week to savor the goodness of God and to run to him for refuge. Our God is good. He is a refuge, and he is the king that we need. I'm reminded of this when I read the infamous book by C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I'm sure many of you have read that as well. This is one of my favorite quotes. I'm sure you've heard it, but it's so good. In The Chronicles of Narnia, an allegory by C.S. Lewis, the author has two girls in this scene, Susan and Lucy. And Susan and Lucy are getting ready to meet Aslan, the lion. Remember Aslan? Aslan represents Christ. And there's two talking animals. Love the beavers. Mr. Beaver is one of my favorites. Mr. and Mrs. Beaver prepare the children for the encounter. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man, referring to Aslan. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, said Mrs. Beaver. Make no mistake, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then isn't he safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I love that picture of uh, Aslan as the Christ of Narnia to remind us he's powerful and yet gentle. He inspires awe and yet he's beautiful and he is definitely good. So we know the awe and the goodness of our God as we meditate on of who he is in Psalm 34. But Psalm 34 is not just verse 8. Let's continue as we look at this passage. We find again that we are content. We find provision. And I love how Psalm 34 is, we do not lack any good thing. Again, we think about what we lack, what we don't have. But again, our God doesn't withhold any good thing from us. So verse 10 is interesting to think about. David uses imagery of young lions lacking food. Now, I'm not sure if he's particularly pointing to real young lions or using lions as a metaphor. I think it's rather the latter. And in any case, we see that the lions, we know this, are powerful animals who prey on other animals. But despite their power, despite their resources, despite their capability, they go hungry. And the point here is that they experience want. This is not the case for the people of God. 
The people of God are cared for. They find provision. They see the Lord is in control. It makes me think of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. You finish it. I shall not want. The young lions are powerful. They're eager. They're fast. They experience want. But our Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. So as we love the Lord, we fear the Lord. This is the wisdom David brings in his invitation of verse 11. The author invites the children to listen to his voice. He says, come, listen, hear my voice. And this isn't a call for his children, but for the younger members of the faith community. What is this a call for in verse 11? It's a call to listen. It's a call to learn. And what are we to learn? The fear of the Lord. To fear the, lo- to fear the Lord is to be in awe of who he is. It's to submit to his ways. It's to ultimately trust his sovereign hand. And this reference to fear doesn't include terror or we're shaking, but rather trust in the God who is there. I love this quote by Ed Welch. Had to include a second one. By, I, want, I cut it and then put it back in. Uh, Ed Welch says, when the fear of the Lord matures in you, Christ becomes irresistible. The more we have this awe, this respect for the fear of the Lord, Christ becomes irresistible. Then in verses 12 through 14, we read of more proverbial wisdom from David as he reminds us of what is good and what is evil. Now, if I passed out true-false tests before the sermon and asked you these questions, I'm pretty sure you would do well on them. But let's, let's have a, a, a short test together. Now, answer these silently. We're just going to have three, three questions. Even better, it's true-false. Deceitful speech is honoring to the Lord. True or false? Keep, it, keep the answer to yourself. Number two, you should turn away from evil. True or false? Now, some of you are thinking right now, Pastor Steve's trying to trick me. There's, there's something in there. I need to be listening a little closer. Number two, you should turn away from evil. True or false? Number three, God's word says we should seek peace and pursue it. God's word says we should seek peace and pursue it. So those are the three questions. Now let's grade our own papers. The answers are false, true, and true. How'd we do? Everybody did a good, we have 100% down here, great. The students in the room are thinking, this is the class I wanna sign up for in the fall. But honestly, we all probably got 100% on that short test. So what's the challenge? And why is David acting like this is new wisdom that we need? What's so important about seeking peace or turning away from evil? Okay, David, I know that. How is this new? The challenge and the problem is that we are motivated by something other than the fear of the Lord. We're motivated by something else, whether it's greed, a desire to please others, a desire to look good, a desire to get ahead, and then we quickly forget where to seek peace and to pursue it. Well, this relationship is too hard. This relationship is far gone. What's the the true-false test say? So David Pollison challenges us with some x-ray questions 
Let me encourage you to write these down. I think we're going to have them up on the screen. Here's four good x-ray questions as it relates to this psalm. Number one, in what ways do you live as a slave to the devil? Again, we might not like the x-ray at first, but again, it gives us an, a picture of what's going on. Where are you susceptible to his lies? Where do you give in to deceit? Number four, what are you really going after in the situations and relationships of life? So again, true false test, it was easy. Deceitful speech is honoring to the Lord. No, that's false. I know that's not right. But again, when we start to think about our own priorities, our own motives, we can quickly go astray. Well, these questions help us analyze what we are seeking and why we are seeking it. So as we analyze our sin and our manipulative ways, we can become discouraged, or I can be dis become discouraged. Oh, here I am giving in to deceit. Here I am susceptible to his lies. Here I am doing these things here. But remember, the Lord is at work to reveal our sin. Let me give you five factors that, that lead to us growing more like Christ. This is from a, a book called how, Does how Are We Sanctified or How Does Sanctification Change Us and Shape Us. This is for a, uh, a class that I'm going to be teaching in the fall. These are five factors that lead us to growing more like Christ. This is not profound, but it's encouraging. Truth changes you. Wise people change you. Suffering and struggle change you. You change and God changes you. We see all of that in Psalm 34, the body coming together, uh, us changing to the word of God, uh, wise people changing us. And then last but not least, God is the main changer. He's the one who changes us. Makes me think of Philippians 2.13. It is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So God is changing us. And he's intervening in our lives to show us the better way. He turns our eyes and our desires from our tiny kingdoms of self-promotion to the true kingdom of righteousness and redemption. So we see that the Lord answers us when we call. The Lord is good. And we must remember the last part of Psalm 34, the Lord rescues the righteous. The Lord rescues the righteous. The last eight verses remind us of the Lord's nearness. In the middle of the mess, in the middle of our brokenness, in the middle where we think this is beyond repair, the Lord rescues. David said earlier in the psalm, I sought the Lord and he heard me. He heard my call for help. The chorus is on repeat as the children of God declare, the Lord hears us and he hears our cries. The Lord hears us and he hears our cries. Nancy Guthrie, she points out that when you feel alone in your grief, talk to yourself. Do you talk to yourself enough? Tell yourself the right things. When you feel alone in your grief, talk to yourself saying, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And... Remember that Jesus was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. The Lord is near. A theme throughout the Psalms is found in verse 17, 19, and 22, that the righteous call upon the Lord, he hears and he rescues. You see this on repeat throughout the Psalm. 
This is in contrast to the righteous. There's the righteous who follow the Lord, and then there's the wicked who are far from the Lord, who promote evil, and their destiny is death and destruction. The Psalms and the other Psalms speak of how the Lord hears and the Lord rescues. In verse 17, he goes a step further and says, the Lord rescues the righteous, quite a claim, from all their troubles. Does that mean that those who are in Christ and walk by faith do not experience pain, do not experience problems, do not experience trouble? No, that's far from the truth. Look at Acts 14, Psalm 73. Many places in Scripture talks about what the Lord does in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our sorrow. The Scripture tells us that God is with us in the troubles we face in this life. He is our rescuer and he is our reminder that he is there. 2 Corinthians 1 affirms this to be the case. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others, so that we can tell others, taste and see that the Lord is good. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. I remember I was in your, same, your same, same situation. I was in your shoes. And let me tell you what the Lord did for me. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So not only do we read of how God is with us in our troubles, but he will deliver his own. Depending on your translation, the last few verses, verses 17 and 19 may speak of rescue, and rescue is right, but it's more than rescue. The better word here is deliverance and to be delivered. David was delivered from his enemies, and we are delivered not only from adversity and trouble and enemies, but we are delivered from death, death itself. So through Christ, we're delivered from sin and shame and death because we're united to Christ by faith. So the Lord is our rock and our rescue and our deliverer. Psalm 18 goes on and on in the first few verses about how he is our deliverer. Well, while these may not always apply in your life, in Scripture we see that he delivers from disease, from demons, from trials and from temptations and from slavery to sin and more. Hebrews 2 says that through Jesus, we are delivered from the devil and the power of death itself. Hebrews 2.14 says, since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these so that through his death, he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. So when the devil comes whispering deception in your ear, remind him who the conqueror is. When accusations are hurled at you or the inner condemning voice comes creeping along, remember and rehearse this verse from Romans. Psalm 34, 8, put it on repeat this week. Romans 8, 34, put it on repeat this week. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. 
He is also at the right hand of God. And here's the amazing part, if that wasn't amazing enough, he's interceding for us, for those who are in Christ. So it's vital that we remember Jesus delivers. He is the deliverer. In one way or another, we see God is faithful. We shout, we sing praises to the Savior who delivers, who is our Redeemer, and who lives forevermore. The psalm ends with this truth in verse 22. This is the last verse of the acrostic. This is the truth that we can rest in. The Lord redeems. Who does the Lord redeem? The life of his servants. And all who take refuge in him will not be punished. It's comfort for the weary. This verse and this psalm remind us that God's promises are true. It gives us courage to walk forward in faith. It points us again to God's goodness. It reminds us that there is deliverance in knowing Christ. But if you're not a follower of Jesus as Savior this morning, this psalm could be a wake-up call for you. I skipped over verse 16 earlier, not because I didn't want to tackle it, but because it's unsettling if you're not in Christ. Verse 16 says, The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil, to remove all memory of them from the earth. The Lord is against evil because evil is connected with death, with destruction, and so many other reasons as well. But the Lord, what does the Lord bring? The Lord doesn't bring death and destruction. The Lord brings life. The Lord brings satisfaction. So if you are not trusting in Christ for salvation, let me encourage you, let me implore you that may today be the day that you trust in Christ. May Psalm 34 become alive for you as you can say, I taste and I see that the Lord is good. The Lord is good to save, to deliver. And as you see the goodness to deliver you from your sins, I pray that you will rejoice as we repent, as we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, we see that the Lord is good. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you for what you have done in our lives. We thank you that you have rescued us, you have redeemed us, and that you are with us. Your word tells us not only that you hear us, but that you are near the brokenhearted and that you save those who are crushed in spirit. So Lord, we thank you and praise you that you are near and that you hear us. And so Lord, we come Rejoicing, we come proclaiming your greatness. We come as a humble people, thanking you for who you are and what you have done. So Lord, as we leave here this morning, help us to say to one another, the Lord is good. I've seen it and I believe it. So Lord, I thank you for your people. As we come together, we rejoice in who you are and what you have done. And Lord, I do pray if there's someone here this morning who does not know Christ as Savior and Lord, that they will turn, that they will run, 
that they will follow Christ as the Redeemer, as the Savior that they need. We trust in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lead us by your Spirit, we pray. It's in Christ's name, amen. The Lord is good. Let's respond to this word of the Lord by singing these words out to him, rejoicing in his deliverance. Would you please stand as we sing?